The transfer portal is set to reopen and the Oklahoma Sooners still have some work to do. We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. And thank you to all of the everyday listeners here on Locked On Sooners or viewers, if you're watching on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. And Josh, the transfer portal second season is about to reopen for football. What else does Oklahoma need to do to address their roster in the transfer portal? Or is there really anything else that they need to do? It's tough to answer that question without seeing some of this personnel that's arrived via the transfer portal play because Oklahoma went and address so much of their roster via the transfer portal in that first opening window offensively. Okay. You you went and got multiple offensive linemen that, that could be impact players. One that we definitely think in Walter Rouse is, is going to be a starter for Oklahoma. Andrell Anthony wide receiver went, uh, went and added him out of the transfer portal. There's a chance that Andrell Anthony, though he, he hasn't really been that guy yet throughout his collegiate career. There's a realistic chance that he's one of the top wide receivers on this team, John. Then you flip to uh, the defensive side of the football, and there's so many names to list off there. By now, probably you know the majority of them. McCullough, uh, Pearson, on and on and on, uh, Bothroyd, Ford. So won't list everybody off, but you've went and addressed basically every level of your football team, John. Tight end. You brought Stogner back, right? I mean, this is multiple massive skill weapons that you brought in. So I don't know that there's one position group that I'm totally zeroed in on. I think if you forced me to pick, I would say just based on the uncertainty around it, a proven wide receiver. If there was, if there was somebody that jumped into the portal and I don't even have a couple of names off the top of my, my mind, but if there was a a proven production guy, that's a wide receiver, John, I think this team could, yes, very much use that. And that makes sense. You've got a lot of guys in the wide receiver room that have transferred in over the last couple of years or are part of the last two signing classes that you feel good about. You just don't know about them yet. You don't know what their their skill level is going to be at the collegiate level, what their ceiling is yet. And so you kind of you you do want to find a, a bit of proven depth there. That's going to be hard to find. You know, wide receiver is one of the probably more sought after uh, positions in college football aside from quarterback maybe because of the the evolution of the passing game at the collegiate level everybody needs wide receivers and everybody needs a guy that can win on every snap and it's just hard to find those dudes i think if you run down the roster on the offensive side i think you're absolutely right quarterback you're good running back you're good wide receiver you just need to find out about guys you've got jaleel farouk who i love I, i'm thinking he's gonna have a great season but you have a lot of guys that you kind of need to find out about before you start adding more depth to the position tight end. You guys added Stogner, Blake Smith. I think if, you know, and then you added the kid from Cameron who, again, I always blank on his name. Um, But 
you know, you might have a little depth issue there because Llewellyn and Caden Helms are going to be out for the spring, not back to the fall. So you don't know what you have beyond Blake Smith. So if you do have an injury, even to Stogner, you're in a bit of trouble there. I think as a pass catching weapon, uh, offensive line, you're pretty good. You're, you're set. You've got really good transfer additions. Uh, you got good depth that you're, again, you need to find out about. You got guys that have been in the program for a year or two now that you want to see kind of rise to the occasion, become either starters or part of that too deep that you could feel good could step in at a moment's notice and play significant snaps for this team. So I think offensively, you're pretty good. Uh, at least from a depth standpoint, you just got to figure some things out defensively. I, I still think there are some question marks cornerback. Uh, I, I, you know, we love Woody Washington. Jaden Davis has given a lot to this team. If there's a way that you can upgrade your, your cornerback too, if it's not an in-house upgrade, if you can find it in the transfer portal, again, a guy that's a proven commodity that started a lot of games that again, is an upgrade. If, because again, I think your floor with Jaden Davis is solid. Is it, is it great? Is this a guy that is going to be, you know, an everyday starter at the NFL level? Probably not, but he's given a lot to this, this team, this program, the coaches are, they like him. They're high on him. Um, and he gives you good snaps here and there. He's not a complete liability out there. At the same time, if you can upgrade the position, you kind of got to look into it. The other, the other spot is linebacker. And this more just comes from, again, the uncertainty. Similar to what you have at wide receiver, you've got a lot of guys you feel really good about at linebacker after Danny Stutzman. Again, it starts with Danny Stutzman, and then you kind of work your way down. You feel good about Jerry Canick. You feel good about Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis. And then, I mean, this linebacker class they brought in in 2023 with Samuel Masigo and Lewis Carter and Phil Picciotti. I mean, not all those guys are all there yet, but, I mean, Venables has talked really highly about Phil Picciotti, and he's spoken highly of Lewis Carter. So it's just a matter of like, okay, now integrating those guys and getting that depth to the point where, again, you feel comfortable putting them out on the field if they got to play. That was part of the issue in 2022 is you didn't feel comfortable getting your guys out on the field at linebacker enough, and it showed. It showed late in games when this team started to fade at the linebacker position in particular. They couldn't stop the run. They were, they were slow in coverage. They couldn't stop Adrian Martinez on third and 16 because their linebackers were playing so many snaps. Uh, we saw it at the end of the West Virginia game, you know, Garrett green, just becoming Tim Tebow all of a sudden and just wrecking everybody. That's just the way it went, went down when you have three linebackers playing nearly a thousand snaps in a season. So you got to find out about your linebacker depth. If you can add a guy that has been around for you know several years, some of the, I think somebody like a TD roof, you know, he came in last year was supposed to be that veteran depth that you could feel comfortable about being your linebacker for, or Shane Witter was also supposed to be that guy. Both of those guys suffered injuries and it really hindered your plan at linebacker. So if you could go into the portal and find a guy that's played three or four years in college, maybe a grad transfer. I mean, the grand tra the grad transfer portal is probably, you know, gone. It's stark at this point, but if you can find a guy that's played two, three years, started somewhere, even if it's again, even if it's a, you know, a group of five school or even an FCS school, but someone that's played a lot, that's got the experience. I think that that that'll help you a lot and, and give you a little bit uh, better comfort level when Danny Stutzman does have to come off the field for a series or Jaron Canick. You know, if these guys just aren't ready to play, you know, group of, or power five football yet, then you, you just, I want to feel a little bit better about the linebacker depth from an experience standpoint. I think the talent is there. It's just the experience and experience matters. You know, I, I, I always come back to the scene in um, 
the Avengers Infinity War when you know Loki and Thanos are talking on the ship and Thanos has just decimated everything and Loki's trying to you know, talk him into letting him be the tour guide to Earth because he's got experience and and Thanos is like, well, if you consider you know failure experience, and he's like, and Loki's just like, I consider experience experience. Like experience matters, whether it's good or bad, it matters. You just need some experience, some guys that have been through some games and and have played some college football to at least have a safe floor for what you're looking for at linebacker. So again, that's, those are kind of the only positions that I feel I, I could see them going into the second portal and adding, but they may not, they may feel good about this roster as it is. Stupendous Avengers reference there and mixing in Loki and Thanos. That was a, that was very fun, very fun in this edition of uh, locked on Sooners. Uh, I would say for me and full transparency here, I need to do some some digging and, and get organized on this front. I don't know what the scholarship chart situation looks like right now for Oklahoma. I wonder how many they have left that they can actually expend at this point. And then the other question would be, okay, is there is there another spot or two that you can mix in with name, image, and likeness if and when an opportunity uh, as basically a walk-on would would arise so I, I need to do some some research myself on each of those two subjects but just generically speaking john i think uh, you ran down probably the other position groups that i would most think of i, I honestly since you went and got just Desan mccola and just with the natural progression in-house of the backers that you've got danny stutzman i think has a chance to be the big 12's finest linebacker this season that's totally doable for him if he takes that next step so to me you named it it's cornerback if it's not wide receiver it's the guys covering wide receivers where Oklahoma clearly has to get a lot better and again I don't have a a particular target in mind and maybe if and when that name gets into the transfer portal then it'll be it'll be clear as day but it's cornerback for me I don't know who you know who or which cornerback it would be to me honestly in in no slight here this is not intended to be totally disrespectful td roof man i'm looking for an impact guy i'm looking for somebody at the power five level with one of these these final uh, additions that you make out of the transfer portal i want to see somebody if it's linebacker cornerback whatever wide receiver what i'm talking about man is somebody that uh you know acc big 12 big 10 pac 12 uh, sec somebody at the power five level that has gone out and been maybe not a first team conference performer but somebody second, third team, that type, honorable mention type that has has produced at, at a at a legitimate level at the the power five. So if that guy's out there, absolutely go bring him in. If it can help you a wide receiver, corner, linebacker, really honestly, probably anywhere on the football team if that situation arrives, but particularly wide receiver and cornerback for me. But man, as as OU is trying to build this roster up, John, if it's not that guy and it's not honestly a rental piece, uh, as in they come in and boom, the eligibility expires after next season. To me, stay where you're at. I think that does make a lot of sense. Just continue to build what you've got, build your roster. And I, I don't even know if they'll be active in the transfer portal. It, they they've done a lot of really good things already through the portal in, in the first session uh, with the portal opening in a few days and Oklahoma spring day spring game is still 10 days away. I mean, we may not see any movement on that. There, there might be a lot of movement of guys after, uh, and that might be something that we see after the spring game, after, you know, that 
kind of the end of spring ball, we might see several Oklahoma Sooners decide, hey, I need to go find an opportunity elsewhere. But you might not see uh, many new players coming in at this point because like we saw last year, late additions didn't really have much of an impact on this team. The only one, the only guy that I could think of that had a significant impact that came in summertime or later, maybe Gavin Freeman, you know, the, the freshman that came in as a walk-on during the summer, like it's hard for me to pick a, you know, Gavin Sawchuk had a huge impact, but it wasn't until December. We didn't really see much of him early in the season. So uh, it, it's going to be hard for any guy that comes in to have an impact this late in the game. You're talking strictly freshman signees. I mean, was there a transfer portal that guy that came in late at, you know, after spring ball that had an impact that I can't remember. CJ Colden would be the oh, only yeah. name that comes to mind. There it is. Thank you. Now. And he, he was, yeah. So he was an early transfer portal acquisition, but didn't arrive till the summertime, but yeah, he, but again, here's a guy that didn't have an impact until what November by that point in the season, it was like, well, Season's kind of over. We're just playing for bowl eligibility at this point. So thanks for all your interceptions, CJ Colden. They just, it'd have been nice if they had happened earlier in the season. All that being said, we'll see where, where this all goes. It may not go anywhere, but it's something interesting to at least keep an eye on as uh, the transfer portal is set to open again on April 15th uh, for college football in general. So we might see a lot of movement across the college football landscape. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about who's the most important player outside of Dylan Gabriel on this team heading into 2023. First, let me talk to you about built bar. If you're like me and you're looking for something that's tasting great, but you're not going to give up a lot of calories in order to eat it, then you might need to check out built bar. They're healthy. They taste amazing. And they're so good for you. They're low calorie, low pro or high protein, low carbohydrate and low in sugar. And they're 100% covered in dark chocolate. And they've got great flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. That peanut butter brownie is my favorite. I love peanut butter. I love chocolate. I love that combination together. And that one hits home for me every single time. If you haven't tried it, go to built.com. You can use promo code LOCKED15 get built and get 15% off your order at built.com. You can check them out at Walmart, some Sam's Clubs as well. Low calorie, low sugar, 17 grams of protein. Again, amazing macros. If you're watching those, go to built.com again, or Sam's Club or Walmart. Again, check it out, built.com. So Josh, the question I pose to you, and I pose to you, the everyday listener of Locked On Sooners or viewer on YouTube, is who is the most important player outside of Dylan Gabriel to the Oklahoma Sooners' success in 2023? And let me just say, we love our everyday club uh, if you're part of the Everyday Club, you probably know you're part of the Everyday Club. We see your comments left and right all the time on YouTube. So like and subscribe there. We appreciate the interaction. To me, if it's not Dylan Gabriel, then, you know, look, these types of responses probably are going to sound like low-hanging fruit because they're the obvious responses. To me, it's Danny Stutzman. If it's not Dylan Gabriel, it's the guy that we think is your your best player defensively. As Danny Stutzman progresses or becomes this menace defensively, and he was really, really good, John, a season ago. I mean, the, the guy had, let's see, uh, 126 tackles in 13 games, 10 and a half TFLs, three sacks, a couple of uh, interceptions, seven pass breakups. I mean, look, uh, just the, the buck 26 is a lot of production. The 10 and a half TFLs is, is a, 
I mean, that's a legitimately, uh, that's a big time number for somebody to have that amount of tackles for loss. Uh, I, I don't care, you know, how long you've been playing linebacker, but if he can, I don't even know if it's a raw numbers elevation from that, John. TFLs maybe could be a little bit higher. Uh, you know, Stutzman's not really somebody that I look at as Oklahoma's pass rushing linebacker. I mean, at times, if he could come away with an extra sack or two, to me, three sacks is, I mean, that's pretty good uh, based on who I think, you know, Danny Stutzman, the linebacker is. I don't know that you're asking Danny Stutzman to, to be that linebacker for you that comes away with six, seven sacks over the course of next season. Obviously, I'm not saying you wouldn't welcome it, right? But to me, Danny Stutzman needs to be that guy next season, John, that in big moments when it's third down and two, and Oklahoma needs a run stop, Danny Stutzman, that's when the the no-gain tackle happens. That's when the TFL happens. Or early in a contest, you, you fly downhill, and boom, you pop a running back, and it's known from the word go, Oklahoma's here to play some defensive football. So to me, he's your best player defensively, we think, going into this thing next season. So for those reasons and the fact that, man, you just weren't any good defensively a year ago, he has to elevate that game. He's the most important player for Oklahoma in 2023. I think that's a great response. And, and I do agree with you in a lot of ways that it's not necessarily a raw numbers thing that's going to necessarily improve for him. I think you could see the tackles for loss bump, and that's just more of a everybody else around him is doing a much better job at keeping him clean so he can run and, and get running backs in the backfield. But I do think it's just a moment by moment situation thing that just being better in key moments for this team is, is going to help. It's going to help him. It's going to help everybody be better. And that's really what needs to happen is everybody's got to improve. But yeah, if Danny Stutzman can raise his game in those key moments, I, I still have just the, the visual again, going back to Garrett green and stupid West Virginia game, uh, Garrett green, you know, and Danny, you know, Danny Stutzman meets him in the hole, you know, on a key third down. And, you know, he, he, just isn't able to wrap up and make the tackle and, and green kind of bounces off. I think it was a spin move and picks up the first down and, and it was, it was a crucial play at a key moment in the game and, and they couldn't come up with the play. Um, I think that's a play you see Danny Stutzman make this year. If, if met with the same opportunity, uh, he was solid in coverage at times, again, had a few interceptions, was a decent pass rusher, you know, but again, like the like a lot of the pass rush, there were times when Stutzman was just kind of running into blockers. So there are ways that he can improve his game. I don't necessarily see it from a raw numbers total standpoint, but just key moments, you know, getting home more when asked to blitz, uh, being in better lockstep in coverage, you know, coming up with some more passes defensed. I, I do think we see that. Uh, I, I think from a, a defensive perspective, the guy that I'm probably going to look at, and this might sound odd, but I'm going to go with Woody Washington. I need him to be the player we all thought he was going to be last year. He was solid. He was good at times. I don't think he was great. He's a guy that after the 2021 season, I was thinking he was kind of on this progression to be a top 100 pick in the NFL draft. And last year, I think he kind of slid back a little bit. Um, again, the defense as a whole, it takes a unit to be, to be good and, and especially for individuals to shine. But I do think that there were times when just even his individual coverage wasn't what we expected to be. If you need the, if the pass rush is going to improve, the coverage has to improve and, and vice versa. It all has to improve. 
but I need Woody Washington to take that step as one of the more veteran members of this team. I need him to take a step and be that one of those best defensive players and to be able to lock down a side. Like if he can shut down one side of the field, whether it's in cover three or cover two or in straight man, that does so much for your defense. Will he be? I don't know. I think there's, it's probably a safer bet that Danny Stutzman is, is going to probably be the better player on this team. But I think the most important player for this team to, to improve, I could go to Woody Washington or I could look at one of the edge rushers that has to, to have a real standout season for this team to, to really make a jump defensively for the Oklahoma Sooners to be better than they were as a six and seven team in 2022. I'm looking at pro football focuses numbers, which uh, this is our, as always pro football focus disclaimer. Yes, we understand this is not the, the gospel of football as, uh, as told by Mark and John and Matthew and, and everybody else. Okay. So we, we got that out the way. He was Oklahoma's among defensive backs, second rated pass uh, pass coverage guy. Billy Bowman was first with 388 coverage snaps, a grade uh, coverage grade of 82.3. Woody Washington, 514 coverage snaps and a grade of 74.2. He he was technically fifth among uh, Oklahoma Sooners in terms of his coverage grade, but I don't know about you, but I'm not mixing Jaron Canick, Ethan Downs, and Jonah Laulu into uh, Oklahoma's best coverage guys from last season. So for my money's worth, he was your second best, according to Pro Football Focus, coverage guy from uh, 2022. And I think what you're asking is, okay, be Billy Bowman in that Pro Football Focus grade and then some. And if that happens out uh, along the perimeter for Oklahoma, if he can consistently take away one half of the field. I mean, when, who and when was the last cornerback at the University of Oklahoma to where it was, you know, anybody in Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium could legitimately walk in with a sign, that interlocking OU, and just, boom, stamp it on there. No fly zone and feel confident about it with one of the cornerbacks here. I don't know that we – I mean, who would be the last guy? Derek Strait, Andre Wolfolk. See, and, I mean, and that that is not that is not what you want to hear, right? I mean, the names you're throwing out. Look, I love those guys, but that's that's 20 years ago. So yes, Oklahoma desperately needs a Woody Washington to be that kind of guy. And listen, I'll probably need to eat a little crow here, and I'm sure the people will tell me in the comment section, but. Okay, he was better than maybe I remember, but given that the coverage as a whole was not good and your best, you know, Woody Washington's your best player, like Danny Stutzman, he's your best linebacker. When the defense isn't going well, you kind of think negatively about those players. Woody Washington was ninth in coverage grade in the Big 12, according to Pro Football Focus. So that said, I just, I just need him to take that step forward as opposed to staying the same. Like, we got plateaued Woody Washington last year. I need him to take a step up and need him to be one of this team's better players. Now, speaking of really good players, let's turn our attention to the diamond, Josh, because Jordy ball, man, she pitched a gem on a Tuesday night down there in Baton Rouge against the LSU tigers, 13 strikeouts, 
a three nothing complete game shutout where she only gave up two hits and one walk. I'm sorry, three hits and one walk. Josh, she's been on an absolute tear uh, for the last month uh, since she allowed two runs against in two innings pitched against Mississippi State back on March 11th. She's allowed just one run in her last 38 innings pitched. The everyday club right here on Locked On Sooners. You y'all already know that uh, we done had some conversations about, wait a second, is there, is there something going on with Jordy Ball? Uh, John, there were folks texting our radio station legitimately saying, hey, have, have teams figured out Jordy Ball? <laughs> and, and look, and not to you know, poke fun at anybody, because you know at times early in the season, there was a half inning or two, or maybe a game or two that you would look at from Jordy Ball, and, and you could at least ask the question, you know, is ha- the the word was she had fully recovered from her injury, right? But it at least made you pause for the cause to say, huh, is is everything back to full capacity? Even if it's just a little bit upstairs, physically it's there, but like the in game up to full capacity, was it all the way back? Now, if you have any concerns about that, it, it's it's all the way back. She's dominant. She had 13 strikeouts. She kept uh, LSU totally off balance. And, John, she did it in a setting to where Oklahoma, again, now if we want to – hey, everyday club, if you want to be concerned about something, I guess we got to get concerned about the sticks for Oklahoma and this pitcher-by-committee thing that everybody's trying to do to Oklahoma. That's what was most impressive about Jordy Ball, John. She delivered that performance when the bats – for the most part, we're doing their thing. I know you had the one, two run shot and you scored off, uh, uh, you know, you scored off uh, a ribby right before that, you know, after the, the error and everything. So you, you jumped out three, nothing, but then boom crickets the rest of the way. And guess what was, was not crickets. Guess what was consistent. Jordy balls dominance. It's incredible to me that, that honestly, that Patty Gasso left her out there for 120 something pitches. You know, that was, that was amazing to me. And she was still throwing heat and throwing great uh, towards the end of the game. She got some good defensive help, you know, from Grace Lyons, Sierra Jennings at the end of the game uh, in the seventh, you know, LSU got their leadoff hitter on after, I mean, an infield single that Grace Lyons nearly made the play on, which you can't say enough about her. She's just, again, the best defensive player in, in college softball. And uh, then the very next batter, right to grace Lyons turns to, you know, now there's two outs. Jordy ball ends it with a strikeout. The last two, uh, last two appearances for Jordy ball. Uh, she threw six and a third against Texas tech, got the win, uh, and then allowed just one hit and then seven innings against LSU, three hits, 25 combined strikeouts in those 13 and a third innings pitched just absolutely incredible performance. And, I'm not worried about the bats. I'm really not. I I think you're getting everybody's best right now. And will this, I don't think everybody's going to be capable of doing what Texas tech tried to do, what LSU tried to do because they don't have the depth of arms that can get out there and throw an inning Uh, because eventually you're going to run into a team that tries this, that has a pitcher that they don't feel great about putting out there for an inning and they're going to do it. And Oklahoma's going to erupt for 10 runs. You know, it's just going to be one of those things. Like, even against Texas Tech, okay, they, you know, Texas Tech held them to three runs in the first game. Well, then they scored 13 over the final two games. Like, Oklahoma is winning these games and they're winning differently than they did a year ago. Their pitching is just more dominant than what it was last year. It was good last year, 
I mean, Jordy Ball was great. Hope Troutwine was great. Nicole May was really good. But they're really, like, they're great. Like, the best ERA in all of college softball, the best offense in all of college softball. You can't beat them because they, if, if their, their bats aren't going great, the pitching is going great. And when it's all working together, that's when you get the 10 nothing run rule win. When, you know, it's just one side or the other, then a lot of times it's, you know, the pitching, it's going to hold up. But the offense is going to do just enough like they did against LSU to get the win. 30 plus innings. They've they've gone scoreless now. And Jordy Ball has uh, pitched roughly half of those innings for Oklahoma. So, yeah, pitching staff has been amazing. It's my understanding that the collective team ERA for Oklahoma is sub one ERA. I mean, that is John. That's absurd. It's absurd that the, the, the team ERA is below 1.00. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, they, they went into the Texas Tech series with an ERA exactly at one and then reeled off four straight shutout you know, wins. Um, you know, everybody having a hand in it too, which is the impressive part. You know, there, a lot of teams have one, you know, one really good starter and then they have maybe a second one that's capable of throwing a, a good game that can get them a win. Well, Oklahoma's got three of them that every time out, they could shut their opponent down completely in ball, Alex Tarocco, Nicole May. They just, it's just no other team in college softball has that. They might have two really good or great pitchers, but none of them is going to have three. And the way that Oklahoma can continue to roll these three out there and impressively, and then go to Kirsten deal, uh, in relief or pull one of them out in relief. Any of them can, can come in and throw a relief inning that just nobody can touch that teams are going to struggle with that. Every time, if you go from Jordy ball for six innings and then uh, here comes Alex Tarocco for an inning or, you know, vice versa. It's just, it's too much for teams to handle, man. It's fun, isn't it, man? This it's team's a all of, of a sudden, all of a sudden won 29 in a row. Yeah. That Baylor loss seems like a long way away and uh, they'll, they'll get a chance to, to get back at Baylor here in a, in a couple weeks, but this coming up weekend, they'll be up in Miami or Oxford, Ohio at the Miami of Ohio tournament uh, where they'll play Miami and Oakland and Louisville and a three game uh, weekend series up there. So keep an eye on that. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, and that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Special shout out to all our everyday listeners here, the Everyday Club on YouTube and on the podcast side. Make sure you're uh, you let us know where you're listening from. We'd love to hear about that. We got people listening all over the country and the world. Uh, it's always fun to to see that people are are tuning in from. Uh, somewhere out in Europe or um, Africa sometimes or down in Mexico. It's a good time. So thanks again for being a part of the show. Uh, make sure you're around for Monday night, 9 p.m. Central time for our live show. Uh, and that's going to do it. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on ref myself at John nine Williams. And until next time, boomer sooner. <laughs>